0: This is Adam G. Simon, professional food taster for Shia LaBeouf and Joe Carnahan, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Thalamore.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 390 of I Doubt It with Dallimore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dallimore. And seated right next to me, cozied right up, my lovely, talented, and scholarly co-host, as always... Brittany Page.
2: I mean, not necessarily cozied right up. In fact, <laughs> it's weird that you say that because it can be immediately fact-checked well, was on the live say, stream.
1: I was going to say, get out of my lap.
2: Quit sitting <laughs> in my lap,
1: Brittany. You don't need to be that close for us to perform and do the show.
2: Again, um, please, Brittany, police officer Jesse D. Get out of my lap, <laughs> Um There is video footage, so this this lying will not do
1: it will not stand, Yeah, sir.
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, welcome everybody. We appreciate you joining us again. Inching closer to episode four hundred. Yes. Which I we I know we've surpassed with bonus episodes. Right. I keep saying that uh-huh, all the time. You do. We're actually at four fifty with bonus episodes, mm. but uh, it's for me that's a monumental mark. Four hundred. I mean, five hundred will really be the deal. Yeah. But. That's a a long time we've been uh, doing this.
2: Yeah, it is. You would
1: think we'd be getting better.
2: You would. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I wonder if the audience has suggestions for us on what we should do for episode 400. If there's anything special that they think we should do that doesn't involve a lot of work on our behalf. Well, they better get to it because
1: (laughs) if it does involve work, it's not something I can do in between episode 399 and, and 400. Hmm. should take some time. You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it does. But if you do have ideas, let us know. 657-464-7609. Wow. And, and it at dollamore.com. And as always,
1: you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com.
2: Yeah. So when you well, act impressive or impressed by that, it stresses me out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, first of all, I want to give a very... Hardy, vociferous, or is it vociferous? Eh, both it, of them did you
2: say it differently? I don't know, okay,
1: uh, thank you to Rick in Florida, loyal, generous, loyal, generous, and loyal, generous listener, Rick in Florida, who sent us, I think me more than you. I a have big you have been enjoying it mm-hmm. big bottle of bourbon, yes old forester bourbon which i'd nice. never had
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i could get used to listeners sending booze to the show
2: yeah it's happened a couple of times and um, every time we very much enjoy it
1: we still have a tiny bit of that stuff from norway that jartan yeah. sent yep we do but uh it is it was a very a big surprise and uh, it was nice on St. Patty's Day.
2: Yeah. By the way, I saw that bottle that he sent us from Norway in a bar in Atlanta.
1: Really? Yeah. Huh. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Rick, thank you very much. Listen, we appreciate it. That is generous as hell. I always tell people about getting gifts, like even on Christmas and birthdays, books or booze mm-hmm. are surefire ways to, to please you to, to, to my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So w- we appreciate it very much. Yeah. Um. I, I uh, if you would like to send booze, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Our P.O. Box is on the website. It's P.O. Box 15822, Newport Beach, California, 92659. Mm-hmm. If you are in the booze-given spirit mm. of these holidays.
2: There you go. There's
1: always a holiday yeah. going on. Yeah. So, last night, we did a... Should we talk about that first or should we talk about the crypto thing?
2: Uh, let's talk it's about the of call an, in show.
1: An update. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, we could talk about the crypto during the Patreon yeah. break. Yeah. So, uh, yesterday we did a call in, a live call in show, which is different than some of the stuff we've done in the past where we just sit in an empty room. Well, I don't know why, why empty matters, but we sit in a room with the mics on and just let everybody know on Twitter and Facebook, hey, we're taking calls. Yeah. And people. If they happen to see the tweet, because usually it's an impromptu thing, we don't really plan it or announce it, then we take calls as they come. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did it yesterday, except for the fact that we added the element of watching live on YouTube so you know when we're on a call. Mm -hmm. And I think it went really, really well. Yeah. It is, you know, a little dicey because you never know what's going to, if it's going to be a troll, you know, and it ended up being good.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The the only thing, though, that's a little goofy about doing the call-in episode is that it gets a little uh, hectic because we have to manage the stream, the video stream, taking calls, muting while the calls aren't coming in. Yeah. And then we're not able to kind of address what we just talked about with the caller after the call because the calls were goddamn one after the other after the other.
2: Yeah, it was kind of stressful, actually, because... <laughs> because <laughs> I could see the calls popping up yeah, on the screen, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was kind of a juggling act, trying to yeah. figure out, okay, are we going to have, well, like, let's talk about this, but no, we have to move on because there's calls, like, popping off. Yeah, because it's
1: a Google voice number. There's no queue. Like, when you call into a radio show, yeah, they got a producer behind glass yeah. putting people on hold, and then... Writing little notes about what each call on each line is, and then yeah. go to ca- la- caller on line six, la- line twelve. You and know?
2: we don't don't have that. We
1: don't have that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I did notice, like your your you had the mouse on the hang up button for just one, in for case. One call, just in case.
1: Brian from Oregon, I believe his name was called, and he wasn't getting to the point in a way that was letting me know what it... And I was just... If he's going to be a jerk-off, I'm just going to hang up right away. He didn't end up being a jerk-off. Yeah. He just was uh, meandering in in the way that he was communicating (laughs) his question. Right. Or getting to the asking of the question. Right. But the other bummer is some people were asking questions about different things that we never got a chance to get to because before we knew it, we were an hour and 13 minutes. Right. And we had to... We had to we had to move on. Right. So, so
2: so something we talked about in the, the Colin episode was um, someone asked if we had watched the Red Pill documentary. Yes. And we started to talk about it and then a call came in. And so we didn't want to miss that call. But yes, we have watched. Well, not the whole thing. I think you watched like five minutes of it. And I watched <laughs> I watched probably 30 minutes of it. Well, let me say let
1: me say why I bowed out. And then you can talk about the section that you watched, the the first half hour. And that's. I don't like something when they say, oh, this used to be a feminist, used to be this crazy, wacky liberal, and now they're totally an MRA, and that's the girl who put together the documentary, apparently used to be a feminist, and now, after hearing all this rock-solid evidence that these men's rights activists have, she completely flipped on on a dime and, and changed, and I just don't fucking buy that because their evidence isn't compelling. Their statistics are not com- by any standard they're not compelling.
2: Yeah, I don't know if she became a men's rights activist after the the documentary, but hmm. she definitely seems to be sympathetic toward their movement and feels that they make points that people should be paying attention to yeah well she she
1: was convinced enough to platform their ideas in a documentary and put it on netflix or wherever it is so
2: the log line is that what it's called in a movie uh when a feminist filmmaker sets out to document the mysterious and polarizing world of the men's rights movement she begins to question her own beliefs
1: yeah right so that's the whole premise is well she you know she's no longer wacky feminist that's the way i interpret that anyway
2: so no, t- I, I'm, I'm taking issue with you saying that now she's like a men's rights activist, that she completely reversed course. And now she's like attending the meetings <laughs> and like rubbing their backs and like, I'm right here with you. I'm right here. with I don't know if that is the deal. Hmm. I guess I should have watched the whole thing and maybe you should have watched more than five minutes and then we would both have the answer. <laughs> well, I got
1: turned off by it.
2: Um, so. No, it was it was difficult to watch. And that's why I only made it like 35 minutes in. But you you see little hints of this in the media anyway you don't have to watch the documentary you have tucker carlson who just launched his
1: every wednesday he's doing this now
2: yeah what is it called the men's
1: M- men in crisis or yeah men in crisis something like yeah that. i think it
2: was men in crisis and
1: which really is just regurgitating the red pill
2: it is very similar. In a weekly
1: segment on his show. It is
2: very similar discussion that he's having on his show. The, the first segment I watched, it was, I think, a 12-minute segment. And he goes into all of these numbers about how um, men are most likely to commit suicide. Men Get are... Get hurt at work. Yeah, men are the ones who are kind of taking the brunt of all of life's difficulties. And um, he had Jordan Peterson on to discuss this (laughs) because Jordan Peterson is obviously a proponent of these ideas as well. And I just found it so fascinating because normally when you hear someone like Tucker Carlson talking about the difficulties in life that let's say people of color encounter the conversation typically takes a turn toward personal responsibility and picking yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, for sure. It isn't about analyzing the various factors that contribute to those outcomes. But In his segment about men in crisis, he was taking the time to get into those factors of what could be contributing to these outcomes with men. And that was so strange to me because I haven't ever seen him do that for other groups of people. Well,
1: Well, which begs the question, why is he not doing that? With other groups that are in situations with poor outcomes.
2: Right. The narrative that he was advancing there wasn't, this is the situation that men are in. It's dire. They need to just get their act together and take some personal responsibility and be men.
1: Quit leading the statistics in suicide. What's wrong with you? Yeah. it, Yeah. it,
2: It was, let's really get into this and try to figure out why this is going on. and. What a great thing. What a great thing that he should be doing for everything that he talks about and not just making it a simple black and white issue. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so anyway, going back to the Red Pill documentary, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't think it was worth my time. That's ultimately why I stopped watching it. Um, I, I am someone, and so are you, that seeks out things that are different because you want to know what the other side is saying. You, you want to see that. But I think that when you start reading something or watching something and it's clearly ridiculous, you don't yes. want to spend two hours watching it, which is how long that documentary is. Two yeah. hours.
1: Yeah, so. I couldn't hang.
2: Yeah, but if you did watch the whole thing and you found something compelling and we are missing something, please let us know. Yeah, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Do it. That should just be in your phone. Just it, it should it be your programmed
1: phone. in. Yeah, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. And then the other thing that was asked, I believe it was Jonathan in Minnesota, uh, was about partisanship and why the conservative movement, Republicans, we kind of got this. Um, Kind of a conflict of communication, of defining terms between mm-hmm. conservative and Republican. Mm-hmm. And we, we we started to talk. Wasn't this the call or was this earlier or I, later? I think so. We wanted to talk about the 538 stuff. Yeah. And partisanship.
2: Yeah. So, um, it, well, it's kind of about the hypocrisy of... Both parties, quite frankly, yeah. in looking at the Stormy Daniels situation and about Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton from the 90s, and kind of how the parties have done a little switcheroo. <laughs> um, Bizarre. In their viewpoints on whether these things are moral, whether it's any of the public's business, okay, all these different issues. And I referenced this on the call, but we were kind of rushed yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and needed to get to another call. So
1: Because they, the calls were stacking up.
2: Right. So um, (laughs) Huffington Post and YouGov did this survey and they found that 70 percent of Democrats found credible the account from Stormy Daniels of an extramarital affair with Trump, while just 11 percent of Republicans said the same. So we have 70 percent versus 11 percent of Republicans believing that her account is credible. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, 82 percent of Democrats said that if he did have an affair with Stormy Daniels, that that would be immoral. 82%. 82 percent, while Republicans 54 percent agree with that.
1: That is an amazing number to me.
2: Yeah,
1: that 54 oh, percent, yeah. not 90 percent, not a hundred percent, not a a drastic number. Right. So let's put it this way: 54 percent. Well, you you reverse that. 46 percent of Republicans ostensibly believe or are conflicted about whether or not cheating on your wife. While she is pregnant and with your newborn baby is immoral. The Republican Party—that's—that mm-hmm. is striking, especially taking into account the opinions of these same exact Republicans twenty years ago when Bo Clinton was in office.
2: Yeah, so this one will uh, make you more excited and happy. <laughs> <laughs> So 67% of Republicans agreed with this statement, quote, an elected official who has committed an immoral act in their personal life can still behave ethically and fulfill their duties in their public and professional life. Wow. 67%, while only 26% of Democrats agreed with this statement. And the thing about this question is Republicans did not agree with this. No. If you look... Several years back. (laughs) Let's talk
1: about the other side of this, because it's not just Republicans who are being shitty about this. Democrats are equally hypocrites in this case.
2: So in a CBS News poll from 1998, 77% of Democrats said that then-President Bill Clinton's relationship with Monica Lewinsky was a private matter.
1: Okay, what? How many?
2: 77%.
1: 77% of Democrats, similar... To the 82% or the 67% of Republicans.
2: They said it's a private matter having to do with Clinton's personal life. And just 16% of Democrats considered the affair a public matter having to do with Bill Clinton's job as president. In contrast, 64% of Republicans cast the situation as a public concern. While 28% said it was a private matter.
1: Those numbers should disturb people just because the president now is of a different letter of his political party doesn't mean that our morality or our compass should change i've long said i still believe it's a problem it is a violation it's not just a private matter it 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 relates something about donald trump's character bill clinton's character That he's going to put his wife at risk from some drippy dick that he's putting in a porn star. And who knows what Bill Clinton was doing.
2: Okay, so also in 1998, Gallup... Is
1: that that, that too much?
2: Gallup asked people whether
1: views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. A proceed!
2: In 1998, Gallup asked people whether they needed to know if a presidential candidate has uh, had an extramarital affair in order to evaluate him or her. Fifty five percent of Republicans said yes, compared to just 16 percent of Democrats. Now, you juxtapose that with the numbers that I said about 82 percent of Democrats saying that it's immoral if Mm -hmm. he did have this affair with Stormy Daniels and 54 percent of Republicans saying that. So 54% of Republicans today say it would be immoral if Trump did have this affair. And in 1998, 55% of Republicans said, yes, they would need to know if a candidate had an extramarital affair in order to evaluate yeah. whether they were a good candidate. Like that would have played a role. Right. But now it doesn't really indicate that they're immoral.
1: Now it's no, give them mulligan. <laughs> Whoa, we didn't elect a pope. They're saying the same shit about about Donald Trump that was said about Bill Clinton. The same thing that they laughed at, that Republicans laughed at when Democrats said it on the news. They're 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 now saying.
2: Yeah, so in terms uh, of in terms of believing the account as well, you have hypocrisy in that too with Winita Broderick. So a NBC, that's right. an NBC News and Wall Street Journal survey from nineteen ninety nine. Asked respondents whether they believed Juanita Broderick uh, when, who, when she said that way, Clinton raped her. That's right.
1: She's she's a an accuser of Bill Clinton who claims she was raped by when, Bill Clinton when
2: he was the Arkansas Attorney General. That's right. And just 13% of uh, Democrats said that they believed Juanita Broderick. 13% and yeah. 68% said that they did not believe her. 68% of Democrats said that they did. Right. Not. And 52% of Republicans said they did.
1: Right. Now keep this in mind. These are the same Republicans believed it. Oh, you got a believer. You got a believer. The same Republicans who are now saying, uh, oh, what about due process with Roy Moore? What about due process with that guy? He denies it. That's good enough for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's all about the party. Yeah. It's not about are they credible allegations? And right. yes, in both cases, they are mm-hmm. credible allegations.
2: Yeah, so this is, I think, a good lesson in emphasizing critical thinking (laughs) and... Yeah. Approaching these cases from a lens outside of partisanship. And it's very hard to do and impossible for many people. It really is. But it's it's I think a skill people can develop if they practice and it requires practice. And I think that many people have begun to do this with Bill Clinton as of late. Well,
1: That's how I do it. Mm -hmm. I think about in the past. How did I think about this? Mm hmm. If this was something else, and we have instances to to, to to glean from, right? What did I think about it then? Well, if I thought about it then, and it was accurate, why the fuck shouldn't I take that same t- train of thought yes. in this particular case? That's how I do it.
2: Trying to hold yourself to some like consistency, absolutely, some standard yeah. that you have. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a good way to do it. And like I said, it is hard, and I think that. Democrats for a long time have suffered from this knee-jerk reaction to defending Bill Clinton and holding him in high esteem. But I think that there's been a slow breaking down of that. Um, the Me Too movement has helped quite a bit with that. Um, but you still see him on talk shows and people taking selfies with him. And Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's... It's difficult. It's bizarre. Yeah, but hopefully these numbers are a little bit of a wake-up call for anyone out there who does kind of have that knee-jerk reaction to defending someone just because they are in the party or on, quote-unquote, our team.
1: Yeah. So... Um, that was something we didn't get to on the call episode, and I'm glad we took the time to talk about <laughs> it. It would
2: have been impossible no to take all fucking that time. Way, yeah,
1: no way we would have gotten. <laughs> we to would it.
2: have missed all kinds of calls. Everyone would have been very upset.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, we've just had calls stacking up, stacking up, <laughs> stacking up because yeah. people are just calling over and over yeah. and over yeah. to try to catch us in an off moment.
2: Yeah, but we plan to do that again. So if you weren't able to get through and you want to participate in that in the future, we we will do that again. Also,
1: obviously, it is isn't now a podcast that we released, but it's also on the. YouTube's so if you want to watch it in real time, you could the replay's right there, so you could do that too.
2: Yeah, I mean it wasn't that great, but you know, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I said it was stressful. It was oh, a lot yeah. happening. It was like we I need <laughs> well, to get I, get, get I need to get used to it. We're going to get was, better at it. It was the first time we had ever done it, and it was like a flow that needed yeah, to... Yeah. For sure, it well, it's different. Yeah, it was different. It's a different thing. It was different.
1: The other thing that I want to get to before we move on is the fact that several of you, many, many, many of you have asked me to put some method of supporting the show via cryptocurrency, and I finally got off my stupid lazy ass and did it. So right now, we're, we're, we're accepting four different cryptos. I don't know really anything about it but i did set up wallets for bitcoin, ethereum, dash and litecoin. Mm-hmm. and if there's any others that you that you like or you think would that would be beneficial for the show, let me know and i'll try to figure it out. anyway, thank you guys. i mean that that's a, that's a wonderful suggestion. i should i really should have got off my dick a long time ago and done it because mm-hmm. i must have been standing on it or something not yeah. doing it. Uh-huh. So anyway, it's on the webpage. Go to dollamore.com. and the left-hand side of the show, there's two links at the top. One says support the show. And the other one, not surprisingly, says support the show with crypto. <laughs> and then you'll not know what to do if you're a crypto person. I would not have known. I, I, you know... Three hours ago, I would have had no idea how this works.
2: I, I You know very little about it. I know even less. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, it's not something that so anyway, I understand.
1: Thank you guys for the suggestion. It's there if you want to do it. We love you. And as always, we appreciate our audience so goddamn much. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit Patreon.com/slash. I doubt it with Dollamore.
2: So we don't want to spend a bunch of time on this because I feel like we've spent enough time talking about (laughs) supporting the show already. Yeah,
1: whiskey and crypto. So we'll just
2: go through it really quick. The uh, the gift from. Rick in Florida, thank you again for that. Um, you can support us with crypto. You can buy. I doubt it with Dollar merchandise. I want to give a shout out to Laura in Buffalo who yeah. tweeted us and said that she purchased some classy laid merchandise for the
1: for the for the the anti gun yeah the March, March for Our Lives March for our which lives, is going right.
2: to be this this weekend mm-hmm. and something on that if you are going to the one in LA and you happen to see us be sure to grab us and say hello
1: get a picture whatever we
2: love um chatting with you guys so if you are going to be at the march in LA you see us pull us aside
1: we will be there too yes and I'm easy to spot because I'm a giant ginger
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and dollamore.info is where you get that merchandise uh we really appreciate it, you guys
1: awesome democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, to follow up on what we just talked about about the partisanship re- relative to the different parties and whether they think cheating is blah blah blah. Let's talk about this Stormy <laughs> Daniel thing. Did I? Did I? Yada yada that a little bit? Stormy
2: Daniels, not Stormy Daniel.
1: Stormy Daniels thing.
2: Yes, yeah, Stormy Daniels. Stephanie Clifford.
1: Stephanie Clifford. Yeah. Again, by the way, I'm still seeing people in the media... Who, what's her name? Go, what's her real name? I, I don't know. Something like Stephanie Clifford or something. All right, dude, we know. You know her name. <laughs> yeah. God damn. He
2: knows more than her name. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So,
1: a lot. some shit broke this, this last week. No. Donald Trump has joined the lawsuit to... To try to well, they're suing her twenty million dollars mm-hmm. for her violating the non-disclosure agreement, and that's a big deal.
3: Well, for the first time, President Trump's attorneys have joined a lawsuit to keep porn star Stormy Daniels from speaking publicly. They say the porn actress could owe twenty million dollars because she revealed revealed details of her alleged affair with the president, violating her non-disclosure agreement. Now, Daniels claims the non-disclosure isn't valid because the president himself at the time, who was not president at the time, did not sign it. Here's what her attorney had to say.
1: This is truly remarkable. I don't know that there's ever been
4: uh, an instance in American history where you had a city president carrying out a personal vendetta and seeking in excess of $20 million against a private U.S. citizen who is merely trying to tell her version of the facts. He and his Uh, attorney, Mr. Cohen, and now others, are seeking to gag
1: and silence my client and keep the information from the American people.
3: CNN White House correspondent Abby Phillip is in Washington with more. Walk us through what happened here in the last 24 hours because it is really getting dicey.
5: That's right, uh, Christy. This is an extraordinary moment because after m- weeks and months of saying that the president really had nothing to do with this case, that he wasn't aware of what his private attorney, Michael Cohen, was doing on his behalf as it relates to Stormy Daniels, uh, the president's attorney, Charles Harder, uh, is now joining this case with Michael Cohen against Stormy Daniels to enforce the non-disclosure agreement. What this means is that President Trump is now named in these documents, and it also implies that uh, some of the claims that Cohen was making about what the president knew and when he knew it might need to be revisited, because now, in fact, uh, the president's private attorney, uh, who is uh, known as sort of a a pit bull in this this legal arena, is joining this case and trying to continue uh, to silence Daniels. Now, the, this filing essentially says that uh, Stormy Daniels owes $20 million, an exorbitant amount of money, in part because the original arbitration agreement uh, required her to pay $1 million for every violation of the non-disclosure agreement. It's unclear what exactly these violations are because... In, in a lot of Stormy Daniels' public uh, appearances, she's actually said that she can't talk about this case. She can't talk about her relationship w- w- with Trump. And her attorney has um, made some statements about what Stormy might have to say, but they haven't really gone into specifics, so it's really unclear what kind of violations they are referring to. On the other hand, uh, Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, has made some al- some new claims in the last 24 hours that Stormy has been physically threatened uh, in an effort to silence her, to stop her from talking about this ongoing litigation. It's unclear who he was referring to, but these allegations are are pretty serious and suggest that perhaps people were acting on the president's behalf.
1: The other part of this that is often overlooked, I mean, it's get talked about every once in a while when you hear about it, is the fact that now that that, that the, the Evan, Addy, Ev- Evan Addy, or whatever his name is, that lawyer from here, he's from here in Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. Her lawyer, he pretty much kind of goaded Donald Trump into the lawsuit. And I can't believe they took the bait because now they move on to the discovery phase of this lawsuit where they're going to be able to to request phone records. They're entitled as the defense to phone records, Hmm. to text messages, to emails. Mm -hmm. They're, They're going to be able to dive deep into this. All communications related to this, this matter. The other thing is these, your, your, your Trump trolls out there, they can no longer say, oh, he had nothing to do with this because he, if, if he has standing to join the lawsuit, that means he did have something to do with this. Mm-hmm. He was involved. Otherwise he wouldn't be Party. To the goddamn lawsuit.
2: Yeah. What's so fascinating to me is that this is not even the number one thing being discussed yeah. on the news shows. <laughs> yeah. On the Sunday Any shows. Any other president. On the Sunday shows, I don't even think it was talked about at all today. I didn't see anything about Stormy Daniels on the Sunday shows. Yeah. I don't I don't know. It but, was
1: all McCabe all day. Yeah. There's and there's
2: just so much going on that this isn't even at the top of the list of things that are important.
1: Imagine if you will, a news cycle where president Barack Obama was accused of banging a porn star behind uh, Michelle's back while she was pregnant with Sasha or Malia, whichever is the, the, the younger one. Mm
2: -hmm. Malia.
1: That would be holy fucking shit. Joe Biden's going to be president. That's the kind of earth-shattering news that would be. Mm -hmm. But it's Donald Trump, so it's, you know, three stories down on the severity scale.
2: Yeah. So what do you think about her lawyer?
1: He's a powerhouse. Hmm. He uh, He is a credible... He is responsible for, I believe, the largest settlement in California history. He's Ivy League. He went to Penn. Or he went to George Washington uh, Law School, but he he's a he's a Penn grad. Mm-hmm. I mean he's a he's he's not a dummy. He's not an ambulance chaser. Mm-hmm. He's the real deal.
2: Yeah. So in addition to his education, he's achieved a lot. In yeah. His, in his for field. sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Prestigious law firms. He's not just you know working out of a a beach shed down there on the right. on uh, on Balboa.
2: Right. Well, I I guess I'm always a little suspicious of defense attorneys, although less so now than I used to be because I have recently started to um, take a turn in my views on... Seeing people who are accused... Law and punishment issues. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I... I saw him being interviewed I think by Anderson Cooper and he said that six more women have come forward yes. to tell him that they have um non-disclosure agreements with Donald Trump as well. And he he said he, he they haven't really vetted it yet and they don't, you know, he's not going to give a lot of information other than saying that these women have approached him and that they are similar situations, I guess. So yeah. I I think I I'm wondering If that is to come or if he's just kind of teasing that and he doesn't really believe that anything will come of it. But it is interesting that um, other people have come forward.
1: The other thing he said while on with, I think, Jake Tapper, uh, he he told JTAP that some of the communications between Stormy and Donald Trump happened while Donald Trump was president of the United States. Mm -hmm. This isn't all back from 2006, 2011. This is recent he's saying he's claiming we have no evidence of that yet but would it fucking surprise you i mean come on would it
2: the answer is no so yeah the answer
1: is no <laughs> definitively the answer is no so uh, the other thing i want to play is a clip between rick wilson and paris denard and if you watch cnn um well you'll recognize his voice but rick wilson is a guy who has been an outspoken donald trump critic rick wilson Worked for John McCain, the uh, the campaign of John McCain in two thousand eight. He's a Republican. He's a Republican's Republican. Mm-hmm. He's he's not you know he he might be a part of the resist crowd now, but this guy's not a liberal. He's not a progressive. He is a conservative who's against Donald Trump. Now this is with with Brooke Baldwin on CNN, and it's kind of a a back and forth between Rick Wilson and Paris. And it kind of is emblematic of the conversations that are taking place right now and really the the, the wild, running, scared approach to talking about Donald Trump related to this Stormy Daniels situation.
6: That is what I'm all I'm saying is let's separate apples from oranges. If we're going to talk about the payment and the timing of that, that's fair. But to bring up this, the the allegation that happened long before he was a candidate or president, I think it's irrelevant. And I think that's why he's not commenting
0: on it. It happened years and years ago. And I think you're absolutely right in pointing out he was private citizen Donald Trump at the time. But it is entirely germane because we're talking about the payment and the hush, this this, uh, hush money days before Everyone went to the polls to elect him as president of the United States. That is you are allowed to connect the two there
6: you're allowed to raise the question as to why Michael Cohen did that in his personal capacity as his lawyer. But at the end of the day, there's attorney-client privilege, and that's not going to come out. And I think all of this extra comment about what Stormy has to say or what she doesn't have to say is just to embarrass the First Lady, because her commentary has nothing to do with the presidency. Let's have a, a conversation and let the lawyers figure out if there is something untoward about the payment. Did it come from the Trump Organization? Did it come from President Trump? Michael Cohen says it did it. Michael Cohen said he took it out of his own line of credit from his mortgage to pay for it because he is someone who supports the president and didn't want this getting out. That's on Michael Cohen, not on the president.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, Rick. I know you want to jump in. Go ahead. You know, uh, uh, the, the, the argument that Donald Trump's lifelong pattern of infidelity, adultery,
1: shattering every vow of every one of his marriages uh, by his own admission and the fact that Donald Trump Screwed a porn star. Now, I don't think Melania Trump's going to be more embarrassed by what Michael Cohen or Stormy Daniels has to say than by the fact that a few months after she had a kid, her husband was screwing a porn star. And that's what you're saying is
6: okay. I get it. You accept that. That's part of your moral framework. That's part of your moral landscape. Good for Rick, you. You know what? Tell him this I un- I'm not going to tolerate that. Paris, you don't know my moral f- framework. Oh, you don't, you don't so tell you me what you're going to tolerate. I no, I am going to tell you, tell you what right you You're not going to When it comes to me, your moral you're not landscape. do landscape, it, it's okay Look, for I'm Donald Trump here. to
1: screw a porn star. It's okay for
6: Donald Trump to screw a porn star if he's just not the president. Keep saying it okay? more and more. Keep saying me? it more and more. Get it out. Get it out of your system. We is all that know what are, that's what saying? you want to say. But at the end of Paris, the day, he's still the president and you should have a little bit more respect for Mrs. Trump. to continue to talk about this. Have a decent conversation about the payment of Michael Cohen. Go ahead and do that. this has nothing to do with his candidacy, it has nothing to do with the presidency. Let's have a conversation on policy.
0: Okay. Okay. Paris and Rick. Wow. Wow. Thank you both for that conversation.
2: (laughs) What a ridiculous talking point from Paris. Paris, yeah, for sure. To say that, that he is disrespecting Melania Trump by continuing to talk about this. <laughs>
1: what, quit talking about how Donald Trump...
2: Quit talking about what he did.
1: Yeah. Who, who... That's disrespectful to Melania. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. I'm
1: It's so good. It is so good. It, well,
2: it's not good because these people go on these shows and then this kind of just devolves into a mess where you can't really call him on that and there's no way to really hold him accountable for his illogical talking points. I say
1: it's good and, because it's so ridiculous. Let's yeah, talk I, about policy. Yeah. What? I, I know what it, do you mean let's talk about policy? Yeah,
2: I know I know what you mean. I just I get frustrated because I I feel like those panels too often just devolve into chaos, and there's no way to really. Paris can walk away from that encounter and go, "I wasn't, I wasn't truly challenged," you know, and I, I just wish that there was some way yeah. that there could be a more like, I don't know, something in place that that can keep it on track a like, little bit more, like a hammer. I don't know, just something like that... a
1: ball peen hammer or a claw hammer I, that I, would work. Uh,
2: here's what I wish would happen: <laughs> I wish that Brooke Baldwin could mute paris's mic
1: yeah yeah and
2: let rick wilson talk and then unmute his mic but say you have to respond directly to that and if you don't respond directly to that i'm going to mute your mic again
1: or put him in like a, one of those like <laughs> dunk booths where they get dunked into a vat of sharks
2: yeah some sort of like threat <laughs> right. i think would be great <laughs> like you need to address this or yeah. we're done here
1: it just—I wanted to play it because one, I think it's wildly entertaining, and it also is—it it kind of plays into what I've been talking about that there's a lot of there's this element out there, clearly among conservatives, but even among liberals and feminists, like why do they gotta call her a porn, porn star every time they talk about her? Because it's relevant. It's it's relevant when you're. It's like. When I make fun of Donald Trump's looks and they say, well, we're, we should be better than that. No, you fight fire with fire. That's what he's about. That's how he communicates. It's completely fair game to talk about what a fat piece of shit he is because he constantly does it. He, that, that is how he communicates. So to, to bring up the fact that she's a porn star to Republicans who, who are the same party who are trying to ban porn and regulate porn like it's an evil in society, it's absolutely A-OK to remind them who this woman is, what her job is. It's not saying being a porn star is bad or good. It's not making a moral judgment. It's a reminder to the other side who bristles every single time like Paris did. They bristle at it like, oh, yeah, that is a bomber for us.
2: <laughs> I don't know. That's why. I don't know if he was bristling. I wish that he w- was bristling. Well,
1: on the inside he is. Of I course, hope on the so. outside he can't because he's a talking so. head.
2: I hope he is on the inside. <laughs> I hope these people do. Yeah. But I don't know. You don't know. Brittany yeah.
1: doesn't know, everybody. I don't. Speaking of not knowing, let's talk about how Andrew McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI didn't know, much like Rex Tillerson, that he had been fired until he read reports about it. And I'm burying the lead, which is Andrew McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, of 20, over 20 years of service to this country, has been fired 26 hours before he was set to claim full benefits of his retirement.
0: The story that broke overnight, the man who was until recently the number two at the FBI fired, Andrew McCabe, the man who served under former FBI director James Comey, who was also fired. He is now out just days before mm-hmm. his pension was going to
6: kick in.
3: And President Trump gloating on Twitter overnight about the ousting of a man he has repeatedly and viciously criticized. McCabe himself releasing his own angry and defiant statement. All this is
0: going down as reports are swirling about more possible firings in the offense within the White House itself. And ABC's Tara Palmieri is covering it all from Washington. Tara, good morning to you.
7: Good morning, Dan and Paula. That's right, more turmoil inside the White House. According to White House sources, most of it is fueled by the president himself as he polls staffers and friends about potential replacements. But this latest firing is riling up a key witness in the Russia, Russia investigation. Overnight, Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe fired just two days before his retirement. His exit comes ahead of the release of an Inspector General report. It reportedly accuses him of improperly speaking to a reporter about the Clinton email investigation and allegedly misleading investigators when asked about it. In a tweet, Trump called the move a great day for the hardworking men and women of the FBI, a great day for democracy. But McCabe's not leaving quietly, saying he was targeted because he backed up former FBI Director James Comey in the Russia investigation. McCabe saying in a statement, Here is the reality. I'm being singled out and treated this way because of the role I played, the actions I took, and the events I witnessed in the aftermath of the firing of James Comey. He's one of the more than 20 top officials who have resigned or been fired during the 14 months of the Trump administration. Inside the White House, senior staffers have been on edge, wondering who will be next. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster has reportedly been on the chopping block. Everybody's gonna leave the White House sometime. And are you (laughs) leaving sooner or later? his answer, only adding to the confusion about his status. The White House pushing back, saying his job is safe. I spoke directly to the president last night. Uh, he asked me to, to pass that message along to General McMaster. And overnight, one of the first White House staffers forced to resign, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, making his first public appearance since pleading guilty to lying to the FBI in the Russia meddling investigation. Endorsing California congressional candidate Omar Navarro.
2: I'm not here to complain
4: about... Who has done me wrong or how unfair I've been treated or how unfair the entire process has been?
7: There are nearly 200 presidential appointments that are still waiting to be confirmed by the Senate. The president's latest shuffle, moving CIA director Mike Pompeo to the State Department and making Gina Haspel director, just adds to the backlog. Dan, Paula. Severe backlog. Thank you, Tara, for your
3: reporting from D.C.
1: So, listen, the, 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 the inspector general of the Justice Department, is the one who suggested some kind of disciplinary action. We haven't seen the full report yet, so we don't really know. But the reason this is problematic is because of the way Donald Trump has handled this. He has vocally, publicly, attacked repeatedly Andrew McCabe, lying in many cases about Hillary Clinton giving him money, saying it was $700,000 when it was more like $500,000 and it wasn't Hillary Clinton, it was Terry McAuliffe to his wife. A campaign contribution while she was running for a Senate seat in Virginia. Donald Trump has attacked repeatedly the integrity, the motives of this Republican. And McCabe is a Republican. Because many believe, including Michael Isakoff, Other reasons than his actions during the Hillary Clinton email investigation. The president uh,
0: here in the U.S. continues his attacks on the investigation into Russia's meddling and possible
6: collusion with the Trump campaign.
3: Michael Iskoff with us now, chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News and co-author of Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning. Good morning to you. I want to read to you the president's latest tweet. Uh, because this is his subject right here, he says the Mueller probe should never have been started. In that there was no collusion, there was no crime. It was based on fraudulent activities and a fake dossier paid for by crooked H. Hillary and the DNC, and improperly used in FISA court for surveillance of my campaign witch hunt. We do need to point out that there are uh, several indictments already, charges that have been brought in the Mueller probe. Do you see anything that would indicate a witch hunt here?
4: Uh, Well, as you pointed out, uh, the uh, Mueller investigation has uh, returned multiple uh, guilty pleas and indictments at this point, including uh, a pretty uh, 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 extensive indictment. Uh, about the Russian troll farm that was meddling in the election, which sort of ratified the initial conclusion of the U.S. intelligence community that there was a real Russian uh, campaign to meddle in our election, to denigrate Hillary Clinton, and to boost Donald Trump. And if you want to understand the McCabe firing, or at least uh, Trump's reaction to the uh, Uh, McCabe firing. All you have to do is go to the opening scene in our book, uh, in which is January 6th, 2017. That's the moment that the U.S. intelligence community gives its presentation to then-president elect Trump about the Russian campaign. Trump resists. He thinks there's uh, uh, he's, he's, he's once again refuses to accept what the intelligence community says. Then they all leave the room, except for James Comey, who stays behind and gives him the two-page synopsis of the dossier. Uh, Comey says to give him a heads up about what might be coming out in the media. After Comey leaves the room, Trump erupts. He says this is a shakedown. He thinks he's being blackmailed by the FBI, by Comey. McCabe was Comey's loyal deputy. It explains why Trump put comey in his sights why he fired him and why he wanted mccabe fired as well
1: and that is going to backfire on donald trump because all of this has been made political he has just foisted this into the into the vernacular into the zeitgeist of this entire drama because he couldn't let it fucking go how did he just shut his mouth It may have just seemed like a normal course of business for the Inspector General. But all his tweeting and all his speech giving and all his talking lets us know what's in his mind and in his heart and in his motives, which is to fire McCabe as he fired Comey because it looks bad on him because they know too much.
2: It's very strange the way that he's acting because... (laughs) <laughs> again and we've been saying this the whole time if you don't have anything to worry about then what does it matter
1: that's exactly right even
2: when he said the thing about the red line right the red line would be if if Mueller started looking into his personal finances or his business yeah
1: and his family's finances
2: and that recently started to happen oh yeah when Mueller requested documents from the trump organization specifically having to do with russia and uh, that seems like maybe it's moving closer to his red line, going over the red line. And so he's starting to get more irritable. He's
1: crapping his pants right and, now. And
2: <laughs> he's he's not acting like someone who doesn't have anything to worry about. He He's acting like the The walls are closing in around him, yes, and he's losing control. And what's strange to me is that his supporters don't see the writing on the wall oh, no, that, that no. they you know, and and what we've always said too, is if he is in a sense, and he's been acting like this, what what the hell is he doing? right? You know?
1: well, listen, his supporters don't know. They don't seem to be understanding what's going on because when you build your political home on a foundation of idiots, of low information morons, that's what you get. They they're not reading the tea leaves, mm-hmm. just like Donald Trump isn't. Yeah. He fires, he spurns McCabe. And what's McCabe gonna do? Oh, I better back down. No. He's going to lash out. He's going to do what he did, which is turn over to Mueller all of the memos about their conversations that he had with Donald Trump.
8: It appears McCabe took a playbook out of James Comey's work, and when he talked to the president, he wrote it down. But we've also learned that those contemporaneous notes are now in the hands of special counsel Robert Mueller. A person familiar with the matter tells us that McCabe documented his own personal interactions with Trump as well as what Comey relayed to McCabe about his past conversations with the president, a potentially significant way to corroborate Comey's account as Mueller investigates potential obstruction of justice. And in McCabe's eyes, he sees a direct line from the firing of James Comey to his own termination yesterday, saying in a statement, here's the reality. I'm being singled out and treated this way because of the role I played, the actions I took, and the events I witnessed in the aftermath of the firing of James Comey and the release of this report meaning the inspector general's report was accelerated only after my testimony to the House Intelligence Committee revealed that I would re- cooperate former Director Comey's accounts of his discussions with the president. Now, it's important to remember, we still have not seen that inspector general's report, which will likely shed light on what exactly McCabe is being accused of here. The attorney general Sessions said that it stemmed from misleading investigators, but clearly McCabe believes it was steeped in politics. Ana. And of course, the underlying evidence for his firing has not been made public. So we still wait for all the facts to come out. Laura Jarrett, thank you. Boris Sanchez is joining us at the White House. Boris, amid all of this, the president's attorney, John Dowd, is now calling for an end to the Russia investigation. But he is quickly backtracking to make sure he's clear he's speaking just for himself and not the president.
0: Uh, That's right, Ana. He actually had to clarify that because when he first made this statement to the Daily Beast, he said that he was speaking as the president's attorney on behalf of Donald Trump. In his statement to CNN, he sought to kind of erase that and say that he was just speaking on his own accord, not for President Trump. Here's part of the statement he gave to CNN's Gloria Borger. He writes, quote, speaking for myself and not the president, I pray that acting Attorney General Rosenstein will follow the brilliant and courageous example of the FBI Office of Professional Responsibility and Attorney General Jeff Sessions and bring an end to alleged Russian collusion investigation manufactured by McCabe's boss, James Comey, based upon a fraudulent and corrupt dossier, just end it on the merits in light of recent revelations. Now, if you read between the lines, he's saying that he's praying that Rosenstein follows in the footsteps of Jeff Sessions. Sessions obviously fired McCabe, so a lot of people are reading between the lines suggesting that he is praying that uh, Robert Mueller is fired. Uh, we spoke to a source close to the White House who tells us that the president did not authorize these comments coming from James Dowd. You get the impression that many in the president's inner circle are at least annoyed by Dowd's comments because they contradict so much of what the White House has previously said about the special counsel, that they would fully comply with the investigation. The president himself has uh, confirmed that he would not fire Robert Mueller, going as far as to say that he was looking forward to sitting down one-on-one with him. Obviously. Uh, Something that now would have to be uh, clarified with the White House's legal team. Nothing on the record yet from the White House regarding this statement from John Dowd, though, Anna.
1: So now they've gotten rid of Comey. They've gotten rid of McCabe. They look to be gunning for Robert Mueller.
2: Yeah, so I, I also want to comment on John Dowd saying that the Mueller investigation should end.
1: And the, specifically, the first time that he said it, said, I, I'm speaking for the president.
2: Yeah, and this was, I mean, it's hard to track things in time. Yeah, because, so much happened so Was this like quickly. two days ago that he said that? I think
1: Friday, yeah. Okay,
2: so Donald Trump has a history of using other people to kind of float a message out there. Yes. Before he takes it on himself. And that appears to be what happened here, because John Dowd said what he said, and then Donald Trump tweeted what he tweeted today, which is directly about Mueller. Yeah. Which he hasn't really done before, right? He hasn't really specifically attacked Mueller. No, that's right. Until... Now, when he tweeted, why does the Mueller team have 13 hardened Democrats, some big, crooked Hillary supporters, and zero Republicans?
1: Not true, by the way.
2: Another Dem recently added, does anyone think this is fair? And yet there is no collusion.
1: <laughs> In God all damn. caps.
2: Right. In all caps, there is no collusion. Psst, Donald Trump. Your desperation is showing. It's hanging out. So... Did did you think that this um excerpt from this Nixon thing was interesting like worth reading or
1: Uh yeah but first before we do that let me say this Okay it does look like he's targeting Donald, Donald uh Robert Mueller Lindsey Graham I have a clip here we're not going to play it uh, says there it seems to me by the way that that because of what the things that that Lindsey Graham has said and uh even Trey G- Gowdy said look if the best way to not look guilty is to, to comply. Look like you're innocent if you're innocent. Why are you doing this? The same thing you just said. Mm-hmm. Trey Gowdy. Yeah. <laughs> hyper-partisan, insane person in the Congress. Right. Said the same goddamn thing. Now, he's announced he's not running for re-election, so maybe he's been right. freed up right. to do that. Yeah. But Lindsey Graham said the same thing. He sounds like it's it's an alarming thing that it would be the beginning of the end of Donald Trump's presidency if he fucks with Robert Mueller. But maybe if that's, that is the line in the sand for the Congress, for the Senate and the House, that if he does that, they're not going to abide by that.
2: Yeah, there's also been discussion that Donald Trump is essentially testing the waters with his Mueller talking points now to see if there is pushback from prominent Republicans. And if there's not, then he's going to start moving closer to taking action on this. And so you, you have Republicans not coming out forcefully saying something yet. Maybe they will tomorrow. I don't know. John McCain tweeted and praised Mueller and said that he should complete his thorough investigation unimpeded and So that that's important. So you have John McCain coming out and saying that, although that is typically what John McCain does. So no surprise that he did that. So
1: let's let's get to this statement. Um, You know, they say that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. This is about as big a rhyme as you can get relative to the era of Richard Nixon and his removal from office or his being forced ultimately from office. And what's going on right now?
2: Yeah. So in his memoirs, Nixon complained about Archibald Cox, who was the special prosecutor for Watergate. And specifically what he complained about is his democratic connections, similar to the tweet that I just read from Donald Trump. That's right. So he wrote um, if Richardson had searched specifically for the man whom I would have least trusted to conduct so politically sensitive an investigation in an unbiased way, he could hardly have done better than choose Archibald Cox. The Washington Post described Cox as having long-standing ties to the Kennedy family. The Boston Globe reported that he had actually been recommended to Richardson by Teddy Kennedy. During the 1960 campaign, Cox had been in charge of preparing John Kennedy's position papers. He had been a... Muskie?
1: A Muskie, yeah. Muskie was a senator who ran for president
2: a muskie alternative delegate at the Democratic National Convention in 1972, and he publicly acknowledged that he had voted for McGovern. In a newspaper interview only two weeks before his appointment, Cox had criticized John Mitchell as insensitive in the importance of civil liberties and mentioned that he had sharp philosophical and ideological differences with my administration. When Kissinger learned of the Cox appointment, he was shocked. He told me, Cox will be a disaster. He has been fanatically anti-Nixon all these years I've known him. Cox was sworn in as special prosecutor <laughs> on May 24th. Ted Kennedy and Mrs. Robert Kennedy were among his guests at the ceremony.
1: He's doing exactly what Donald he did exactly what Donald Trump is doing now, which is maligning Robert Mueller and his team. Robert Mueller, a lifelong Republican, Andrew McCabe, a lifelong Republican. James Comey, a lifelong Republican. It is clear to everyone else that all he is doing is trying to misdirect, trying to make this that they're out for him, just like Nixon did with Archibald Cox. Right. Ridiculous.
2: Well, and like we said, the Watergate podcast what is it called slow burn slow burn yeah uh it was truly remarkable to listen to it and and go through each episode and just listening to it and drawing the parallels of the nixon administration to the trump administration and (laughs) it's just so strange that he would do this
1: yeah all right
0: It's the asshole
1: of today.
2: Fox News.
1: (laughs) Fox News.
2: Yeah. So there is this clip going around that you might have seen where... I think it's from
1: Now This, which is a Facebook page.
2: Yeah. And so they take these clips from the Obama administration where different Fox hosts are talking about North Korea and the possibility of Obama having a meeting. Um, And then they juxtapose those clips with how Fox hosts are now talking about the Trump administration and Donald Trump's possibility of meeting with Kim Jong-un.
0: Would you, as president, meet with the leaders of a country like North Korea? Obama extraordinarily said, I'd meet with him.
8: Senator Obama made his intentions
3: crystal clear on the campaign trail.
4: I will meet, not just with our friends, but with our
0: enemies.
6: President Obama likes talking to dictators.
3: He would meet with some of these madmen without any preconditions. You know, I'm
0: going to reach out to these crazy people uh, around the world and try to get things
3: yeah. done. Yeah. I think that's a mistake. Obama right. is bowing and scraping before right. dictators. What is Team Obama doing establishing formal contacts with these people?
0: A remarkable turnaround in relations between two (laughs) historic adversaries.
4: The Commander-in-Chief's leadership is now leading to a major foreign policy breakthrough. (laughs) Another stunning (laughs) Donald Trump breakthrough. President Trump scoring a big Uh, win. It's time
3: to celebrate a great
4: victory when it happens.
6: President Trump proves the experts wrong again and scores a stunning diplomatic triumph.
4: How about this? The fact that all he wants is to get them back to the table as a presentation, sure. not I'll give up. If you give up your nuclear weapons, then
8: we'll talk. Why would the administration think that this is a group they could do business with?
3: Uh, you know, I have no idea.
8: Those who hate us will always hate us. The hatred for America is never going
3: to go away.
4: It is a definite win for the president. And it's a huge win for this country. It's breathtaking. It's audacious. It's bold. Uh, it will be historic. I'm just about it. It will be magnificent for the people of Korea. more magnificent to the world. Obama would personally negotiate with leaders of terrorist nations like Iran and North Korea without preconditions. Wow. The world will probably be a little bit safer. The media should be giving President Trump credit for that.
7: I'm not sure there's any real discussing issues with Kim Jong-un.
4: He may be the one president who would actually do this, who would go meet the North Korean leader. Look, it's a bad idea for the president to speak to Kim Jong-un. Why wait till the end of May? Let's do this by the end of March. The current president truly believes that he's the chosen one cannot deal with criticism
3: we are really in danger of living in a sort of pretty little dream world where barack obama takes the power of his personality is going to have this incredible transformative impact on okay, these crazy men
7: all over Trump Trump
0: made the decision himself to meet face-to-face with Kim Jong-un.
7: This guy has a very unique quality of leadership.
0: He is so
4: charming. He can deal with people. He can get along with people. I think that this will only work out well. The idea, which has been fanciful from the start, that we could talk North Korea out of its nuclear weapons program.
5: You cannot make such a promise, not when you're dealing with these madmen who do want to destroy America. Is he going
4: to stop on his way in Oslo to get the Nobel Peace Prize?
5: If it works,
8: he should get the Nobel Peace Prize.
4: It, Obviously, you give that man the Nobel Prize. There's no question. But let's be—I mean, the chances of that are right around zero. I think. Will always be fair and balanced, would not the left wing destroy Trump media.
2: So you had everybody in that clip: <laughs> oh, cat, Sean Hannity, Peter Ducey, yeah. Monica Crowley, Laura Ingram, um,
4: Geraldo
1: Rivera. Yeah,
2: I mean they were Sarah Palin, who's not a host, but she's she was a commentator. I think yeah, that yeah. they they contacted a lot, uh, and that's pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> it is one of the best. Compilations I've ever seen put together and here's here's why it's so great. It's because it's not like oh diplomacy, but they're they're shitting on uh, Obama for his diplomacy with Kazakhstan and then praising Donald Trump for a different country Mm -hmm. because then you could say, well, it's different. Mm
2: -hmm. This is the exact
1: same thing, right? It's it's North Korea just a few years apart. Mm hmm. About the nuclear issue, mm-hmm. it's the it's it's a direct comparison apples to goddamn apples. Yeah, and Obama is selling out America. His he thinks his personality is gonna get this done. The exact same thing that Donald Trump is doing, mm-hmm. and they want to give him the Nobel Peace Prize. Right, but Obama was endangering hundreds of millions of American lives. Yeah disgusting
2: yeah i would love to see what people who uh consume fox news solely is their only yeah. source of news information what they think of this because it's pretty damning um the other thing that fox news is asshole of today for is the recent Shepard smith time magazine interview yeah and Shepard smith is not a part of this because he is fantastic and a beautiful wonderful human but he said something in the interview that pissed off people like sean hannity and laura ingram yeah he did this is what he said um Quote, we serve different masters. We work for different reporting chain- chains. We have different rules. They don't really have rules on the opinion side. They can say whatever they want if it's their opinion. I don't really watch a lot of opinion programming. I'm busy. Okay? So he's drawing this distinction between what he does, which is reporting the news, right, and what they do, which is just um, flapping their traps in the wind. And <laughs> Sean Hannity was not happy about this. And he tweeted... While Shep is a friend with political views I do not share and great at breaking news, he is clueless about what we do every day. Hannity breaks news daily. Warrant on Trump Association. The unmasking sandal, scandal. Leaking intel, intel. FISA abuse. HRC lawbreaking. Dossier. And more real news. 9 p.m. Okay? <laughs> but he also tweeted to someone in 2016... And said, quote, I'm not a journalist, Jackass. I'm a talk host. <laughs> I'm a talk host. He wants
1: he wants it both ways.
2: Yeah, he says I host an opinion program in all quotes. So oh, he- oh, you almost had it. <laughs> so he he wants to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. He he wants to be someone who no, I'm I do real news over at Fox News. Yeah. No, I'm just a journalist, Jackass. Well, which is it? Because the I'm just a journalist, Jackass that you tweeted to someone on Twitter.
1: I'm just a talk host.
2: That's <laughs> what am I saying something wrong?
1: You're saying I'm just a journalist, Jackass.
2: Oh, I'm not a journalist Yeah, I'm jackass. not a journalist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um well, and Laura Ingram also got upset. And the thing is, they try to act like, "Well, we're all, we're all good. We love Shep. Blah blah blah." But it's the Hannity viewers and the Laura Ingram viewers that regularly attack Shepard Smith and call for him to be fired yeah. and want him to lose his job. Yeah. So, I I don't know how can you be friends and be on like an even keel with someone that. You have people that you're constantly stirring up to attack his livelihood and what he does every day. I, I, that that seems difficult to reconcile to me. And that
1: is what they do. Yeah. Oh, he's my friend, my good friend. We just disagree. You're in charge of a a legion of minions who you you've now dispatched to fuck with him.
2: Right. And Shepard Smith is so principled. This was one of my favorite quotes in the article. He said, quote, describing the response... He was describing the response that he received. He said, quote, If we start making changes, if ratings go down or viewers scream too much and we make changes to accommodate, we are in extreme dereliction of duty. I cannot do it. I will not do it. I'll quit. I'll stop doing it completely.
1: He just re-signed his contract, by the way. He's locked in for a few more years. So
2: rather than caving to the demands of these people he he says he'll quit if they start trying to ask him to do something differently or give him talking points then he's out and good for him yeah
1: definitely so it's kind of an asshole today fox news in general and taking care of biz for shishap which he normally does yes that is awesome and there we will leave you We appreciate you guys tuning in twice a week or as often as you do listen. If you want to support the show, there's Patreon. There's now cryptocurrency. Link on the website on the left-hand side. Support the show with crypto. Mm -hmm. A little little rhyme for you. Mm
8: -hmm.
1: Uh, We would love to have, if you haven't yet, review and rate the show on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. I believe you can do it on Stitcher. I don't know anything about Stitcher, so I don't know. But if there's a mechanism by which you can rate and review the show, we would very greatly appreciate that because it helps us to grow our audience. It helps especially in Apple to get the the podcast in front of new listeners because if we can create a groundswell of reviews all at once, it kind of it could force us back into new and noteworthy, which is a section that that people who are looking for podcasts they could find us. So that would be awesome. We would greatly appreciate that.
2: No profanity in the review.
1: That's right. They will kick the review. They won't show the review if there's even like damn or hell. It's They're very puritanical mm-hmm. apparently over at Apple. So thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this is Ben. I Doubt It that he's going to put his wife at risk from some drippy dick that he's putting in a porn star.